0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of the Foundation Worldview Podcast, where we seek to answer your questions so that you can equip the kids that God has placed in your care to carefully evaluate every idea they encounter and understand the truth of the biblical worldview. I'm your host, Elizabeth Armanowitz, and I'm thrilled that you've joined me for another episode of the podcast today. Now, Today's question says, Should I let my children watch shows and movies with magic, witches, and sorcerers when the Bible says to avoid these things. And that's a great question. And one that I think so many Christians are thinking through as just, there's so much media that our children can consume. Now, before we dive into answering that question today, if you have a question that you would like for us to answer on the podcast, you can simply go to foundationworldview.com forward slash podcast, and submit your question there. Also, if you found the content in this podcast beneficial, we'd ask that you would consider liking subscribing, writing a review, and sharing with, in your sphere of influence so that we can equip as many adults as possible to reach the children in their sphere of influence with the truth of the biblical worldview. So now we'll dive into today's question, and I think that this can be a really, really confusing topic because it's very clear from scripture that we are not to participate in any form of witchcraft Or sorcery however watching or consuming media that includes things like magic or witches or sorcerers can be a little bit confusing because most times in Christian circles those things are looked down upon however for some reason CS Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien seem to get a pass that nobody's in the Christian community seems to be really concerned with the fact that there's magic in Narnia you know or there's magic in Middle Earth and I've asked myself the question before you know why why, why is this why is it that we seem to give a pass to these two authors is it just because there's crit they're christians um you know what is it so i thought I thought through this a little bit more in response to this question. And there's a few things that I think we need to think through as we're making decisions for our children and the media that we say that they can or cannot consume. And the first thing that we need to make sure that we do is that we're diving into scripture and having a thorough understanding on what scripture says about the topic of magic and witchcraft and sorcery. And then after we have a thorough understanding of that, then I think there are some questions that we can consider as we choose which media our children can and cannot consume. So first, we're going to look into what does the Bible actually say? Now, there's many passages of scripture that we could look at, but I've pulled out just three that I think are really key. And now one of the first places in scripture where sorcery is mentioned is in the book of Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 22, verse 18, it's when God is giving Moses his law for the people of Israel. And in Exodus 22, 18, it says, you shall not permit a sorceress." To live. Okay, so very extreme. <laughs> okay, so not only are sorcerers not allowed in the land of Israel with God's covenant nation, but they're not allowed to live. That anyone who practices sorcery within Israel is to be put to death. Then, se- several books later in the book of Deuteronomy, where there's, you know, looking at the law more in depth in the book of Deuteronomy, this command is repeated and expanded upon. In Deuteronomy chapter eight looking at verses 9 through 14, God gives the people further commands about magic and sorcery. And God says, when you come into the land, or Moses, sorry, Moses is speaking in the words of God. So he says, when you come into the land that the Lord, your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God, For these nations which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune-tellers and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. Okay, so Moses is making clear that God's law is that these things are not to be within the nation of Israel, that the people of the land of Canaan practiced all of these things. They practiced sorcery and divination and talking to the dead. And God is saying that those things are not of him. They're not of him. And then when we look to the New Testament, okay, to the new covenant that God has brought us into, God again makes this clear that sorcery is not of him. In the book of Galatians, if we look at chapter 5, verses 16 through 24, Paul is writing to the people in the church of Galatia, and he's talking to them about living a life in step with the Holy Spirit of God, you know, who indwells us, who we have been sealed with for the day of our redemption. And so in verse 16, he says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So, in this passage, God's command against witchcraft and sorcery is even expanded upon further that, that witchcraft is something that is of the flesh, not of the Spirit. So when we look at all of these passages together, we see that witchcraft and sorcery is considered a sin because it's trying to find fulfillment in something other than God. It's trying to get a glimpse in the future, which only God knows. It's trying to change our present circumstances, which only God and his sovereignty can do. It's trying to communicate with the dead, which is a realm that we here on earth do not belong in. So scripture makes clear throughout the entire narrative that witchcraft, that sorcery, that it's idolatry, that it's a sin against god now that means it's very clear that we are to have nothing to do with it that we are not in any way to take part in it you know even if you're at the county fair you know and there's a fortune teller there that that's not something we're supposed to go and participate in even if we think it's just fun or innocent because it's actually an affront to god so now the question becomes okay so what do we do with the media because there's so many books and movies and shows that include media you know that just include this witchcraft and sorcery so here are a few questions that i think are important for us to ask ourselves as we're considering the media that we allow our children to consume the first question that i think we should ask is does this story take place in a magical land or does it take place here on earth because when we think about narnia middle earth the land of fairy tales these are all fictitious places you know so when a fairy godmother appears out of nowhere you know in the story of cinderella it's not leading our kids to believe you know that we're actually gonna have a fairy godmother appear out of nowhere you know and go poof you know and we're going to be ready for the ball it's just in a pretend land so stories like that stories like narnia stories like the hobbits or the lord of the rings fairy tales they're not necessarily encouraging the practice of magic or witchcraft because they're taking place in another land. And the magic that's woven throughout is part of this fictitious land. Now, if our children go and take things that they see from this fictitious land and they start to incorporate them in their everyday lives, that might be a situation where we say, you know what, even though this media in and of itself is not inherently wrong. I think the way that my child is viewing it or is using it is wrong. My family actually still has a joke to this day that, um, you know, when I was little, I really loved the movie The Little Mermaid. It was one of my favorite ones. I loved the songs, you know, as I think so many little girls did. And I saved up my birthday money and I bought a VHS tape of The Little Mermaid. And we had it for probably about a year or so until eventually my mom actually took it and threw it in the trash. Because, you know, I wasn't You know, I wasn't enthralled with Ursula. I wasn't, you know, I didn't pay any attention really to that magic, but my brother memorized Ursula's incantation, you know, that she said over Ariel and he would walk around the house, you know, like saying that incantation. And my mom was like, this is not healthy for him. You know, this is a form of witchcraft. So we're going to get rid of this, you know? So in that situation, that was probably what was healthiest to do. And if my mom's listening to this, she's probably smiling because I sometimes still give her grief telling her that she owes me $7.99 for that VHS tape. But I think she and my dad have made up for it long ago. (laughs) Um, So that's the first question, you know, does this story take place in a magical land or does it take place here on Earth? Because if it takes place here on Earth, then that's encouraging something completely different. The second question that I think we really need to ask ourselves is, is the magic seen as a way of gaining power? Okay, is the magic scene as a way of gaining power? Because if you think about stories like Narnia, or like The Lord of the Rings, or even like fairy tales, like Cinderella or The Little Mermaid, you know, or something like that. In most of those, the magic, you know, is brought by someone who's more powerful, and they're helping someone who's lesser than them. It's not actually used as a way for one of the main characters to gain power. And we saw in the scripture verses that that's why witchcraft here in real life is considered idolatry because it's it's a way of humans trying to gain power, trying to manipulate God and trying to take power that only belongs to him. And so rather than submitting ourselves under God and his sovereign will, it's humans trying to actually gain some of that power and manipulate God. And so we need to ask ourselves, okay, so is this magic seen as a way of gaining power? You know, if you think about um, you know the old Disney Channel show, uh, The Wizards of Waverly Place. You know that was the the magic that was used there. You know even though it was it was kind of funny and might be seen as innocent, it was used as a way of gaining power, as a way of manipulating situations and so that's something you know that's different than the type of magic you know that we see from the fairy godmother in Cinderella that it wasn't a way of gaining power it was the fairy godmother you know just bestowed this on Cinderella and she had to play by the rules it wasn't you know Cinderella somehow manipulating things so that the prince would fall in love with her it was very it's very different so that second question again that I think we need to ask ourselves is is the magic in this form of media seen as a way of gaining power because if it is then again that's idolatry then the third question that I think we need to ask ourselves, you know, when there's magic in a fantasy world, as opposed to, you know, a story that's showing magic that's taking place here on earth, the next question we need to ask is, is there a clear distinction between good and evil? Because in scripture, it's very clear that there are spiritual forces of light that are on God's side and there are spiritual forces of darkness. There's no gray area in between. Okay. It's either light or darkness. And so if we're letting our children consume media, you know, that contains magic and some form of sorcery in a fantasy land, we need to ask ourselves, is there a very clear distinction between good and evil? You know, think about the Chronicles of Narnia series. In that series, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and um, in The Magician's Nephew, you know, the white witch's magic is very clearly seen as evil. You know, there is no, even though the characters are you know, even though Diggory and Edmund might get confused, you know, about who the white witch is for the reader and for the narrator, there is no question about whether her magic is good or evil. It is always portrayed as evil. But then think about the magic in 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 The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, when Susan is given her horn you know, that she can use as a distress call. And Lucy has given her cordial to use to heal people. That these have magical powers. But it's very clear that these are things that are good because they're gifts directly from Father Christmas, who is giving them through Aslan. And they can only be used as Aslan has Ordained, You know, Aslan tells Susan when to blow her horn many times, you know, he tells Lucy how to use her cordial. It's not that Susan and Lucy are trying to manipulate circumstances, they're using these magical gifts that they have been given that are gifts very clearly that can only be used for good under the authority of Aslan. And then if you think about the Lord of the Rings series. You know saruman um you know who's the sorcerer you know he is he goes from being a good sorcerer to a bad sorcerer when he switches sides and you know there's there's no question there's no gray area he's either good or he's evil and that's what we want to make sure that if there is some form of magic there's a very clear distinction between good and evil because that is what we find in scripture you know satan might masquerade as an angel of light but there's no question as to whether he is good or he is evil that he is distinctly evil and then the the final question that i think we need to ask ourselves just as we're considering this and the media that our children are consuming is do we have a biblical understanding of the spiritual battle in which we live You know the new testament makes clear that we are in a war that there is a war raging all around us against you know the spiritual forces of evil and the spiritual forces of good and you know if we have if we have any doubts about this, you know, we're not supposed to focus on this all the time. We're not supposed to be scared, you know, because we're told greater is he who is in this in us than he who is in the world. We're not supposed to be, you know, obsessed with spiritual warfare, but we're also not supposed to have a naturalistic perspective and think that the things that we can see in the here and now is all that there is. So we need to be very aware that there is a spiritual battle. And the final thing that I would say is, you know, like if we have any doubts, about what media to let our children consume. You know, we should be honest with them, you know, that you know, we're we're going to avoid this because, you know, mommy's not sure or daddy's not sure or grandma's not sure, you know, whoever it is, grandma, grandpa, mommy, daddy's not sure that this is okay. And if we're not sure about something, then the Bible makes clear that we're supposed to avoid it. Because in Romans 14, you know, Paul is talking about um, meat that can be eaten, you know, whether a Christian can eat meat that's sacrificed to idols or not. And he's talking in Romans 14 about how there's going to be different convictions from different people, and they can be from the Lord. But he he closes off that chapter in verses 22 and 23, and he says, The faith that you have keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. And I think we can apply this same principle here. You know, if we're not sure about something, you know, we can take more time to seek counsel, to pray about it, but for the time being, we should avoid that thing because we're not walking forward confident that we know that that is the right thing to do. So if you have any doubts, I would just encourage you to be honest with your kids about why you're not going to let them consume that media and that you just need more time to think and pray through that. And I would encourage you to do that, you know, to really pray through this, to seek counsel from those who are within your local body of Christ. You know, those who, you know, not, not just asking everybody, but those who you really respect in the way that they're raising their children, just ask them, you know, what they think about this and how they have made these decisions decisions. And then the final thing that I would say is we really need to teach our children to be discerning because when they're young, you know, we have a lot of control over what they do consume and what they don't consume. But if we just make all of those decisions for them and we never train them to be discerning, we're really handicapping them for when they become teens or when they become adults and they're making these decisions on their own. So really encourage you just to be intentional about teaching the children in your care to be discerning. And that's actually where at Foundation Worldview, that's what we're trying to do through all of our curriculums with our early childhood worldview curriculum we're trying to teach kids just the basics of a sound Biblical worldview. And then in our comparative worldview curriculum, we're trying to teach kids, okay, here's what scripture teaches, here's what other worldviews teach, and this is how they're different. So they can recognize that in the media they consume. In our studying the Bible curriculum, we're trying to equip children to read, interpret, and apply scripture on their own so that they are consistently immersed in the biblical narrative so that they know who God is and what he has Commanded and how good his plan is. And then in our careful thinking curriculum for older children, we're trying to to teach them to carefully evaluate every single idea that they encounter. So I'd highly encourage you to check out those resources and equip the kids that God has placed in your care to be very discerning. Well, that's a wrap for our episode today. But as always, my prayer for you as we leave this time together is that God would richly bless you as you continue to faithfully disciple the children he's placed in your care.